HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hearst Ranch is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at HearstRanch.com. This week on Meet and 3, we're ringing in the start of our fifth season with dispatches from Portland, Oregon's biggest food festival, Feast Portland. We're bringing you words of wisdom on launching a food business from food blogs. Most acquaintances from high school have now tried to start a food or fashion blog in some sense and quit very quickly afterwards. To ice cream shops. Every city you go to, the salt and straw is completely different than any other city. We'll bring you insights and anecdotes about the business of the business. We were like, cool, we're going to do this. We're going to try to raise $75,000 and we'll see what happens. And it was like the most gut-wrenching, miserable month. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, 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 welcome to Veer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey guys, it's October 1st, 2019, and you know what? I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here on Beer Sessions Radio. It's Heritage Radio Network's 10th anniversary. We have our gala coming up November 11th, so check it out, heritageradionetwork.org. This is a special show. Um, Many, many years ago, I was enlightened by Dan Shelton of Shelton Brothers Imports and learned a lot more about the different beers and and traditional beer styles that I still love and follow very closely. Um, The festival is coming up in Buffalo. If you're listening to this live or this week, it's, it's uh, this weekend in Buffalo. And it's a roving festival that gets moved around every year. And some of the coolest places that you never would have gone to, you'll go for the festival. One year it was Worcester, Massachusetts. It's been in Louisville, Kentucky. This year it's Buffalo, New York. So because of it, uh, this week and next week, we've got some really special guests. Um, let's just go around the room and introduce who's here now. We have more guests coming in. So everybody, let's, let's tell everybody who you are. Hi. I'm Peter Keek from Buhela Brewery, Tallinn, Estonia. Wow, in Estonia. I've heard so much about you. I know last year um, some of the brewers that we know were, were at your festival in Estonia. Yeah, Tallinn Craft Beer Weekend. That happens every first weekend of May. That's great. We have so, so much to talk about with you. And our other, this is, this is a brewer that I've known as beers for a long time. Hi, I'm Yvan de Bats from Brasserie de la Seine in Brussels, Belgium. And we call it Brasserie de la Seine. 
uh, Taurus Bulba was always one of my favorite beers. Thank you. So this is just a little s- snapshot of, of who will be at the festival in Buffalo and who's in the Shelton Brothers portfolio. And also uh, two Shelton Brothers reps here who've been on the show many times. I'm Joel Shelton of, what's the company called? <laughs> no idea. Shelton Brothers. Shelton. And I'm B.R. Rolia, also with Shelton Brothers. So thanks for helping put, putting the show together. Um, you know, what does a festival mean to you guys? I mean, you, some of you are brewers coming from other countries. Um, t- tell us what the festival means to you, because I think, it, to me, it's a unique beer event. I mean, the festival is always a great place to meet uh, a lot of our U.S. friends and make new. Uh, but the most heartwarming is actually to run into the, the beer lovers, you know, that... We might uh, be connected via social media, but, you know, to meet in person, that's always special. And uh, to have discuss beer and hear their comments and, you know, get inspired and new ideas. Yeah, P- Peter, you're very interesting. I mean, so in Tallinn, Estonia, tell us about the, the background of that part of the world. I mean, you're, you're kind of Nordic. You're, yeah, you're not Russian. Just, just below Finland and the west of Russia. It's a small Nordic country that is highly well connected with uh, Finland. Being our language is being connected, and I would say that our cultural uh, ins- inspiration and influence comes from the north. And the reason we started to brew dark beers at first place was to, to just underline our long heritage with a dark beer, as Estonia being a homeland of Baltic porter. Baltic porter, yeah. yeah. So, and that was the very first beer we also brewed and released in February 2013. That's great. And uh, Yvonne, so tell us, for, for you, what does the festival mean? I mean, you're, you're, you've been with the Shelton Brothers for many years. Mm, yeah, definitely. Since, since I, I'm a professional brewer, actually. Well, the festival for me means uh, friendship and, and values. Friendship because it's, uh, it's, it's really a great community of fellow brewers and sharing the same values uh, like authenticity, uh, research of quality, um, etc. So that's the two key words for, for me. Yeah, and for you, Tara's Bulba to me is is this benchmark of a of a light, low alcohol, you know, hoppy pale ale. Mm-hmm. Are there traditions in in Belgium of, of hoppy beers? Actually, there is. Um, if you look at the the history, it has unfairly been lost in the nineteen sixties, step by step. But um, before that, the, the 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 Belgian beers were way hoppier than they are now, and 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 then the the image people have of them now, definitely. Um, also, some of the beers were dry hopped. Uh, there is a tendency in America to to think that Americans invented dry hopping. It's probably the British uh, who did. But dry hopping was a common practice for some styles in, in Belgium also. Wow! And in Brussels, so you're one of only a few breweries in Brussels. Yeah, we are seven authentic breweries now in Brussels and some fake breweries, unfortunately. <laughs> well, because we think of, I think of Brussels as like the center of beer in the world, in Belgian beer. It, 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 it has been in, in, in the past. Um, in the turn of the 1900s, we got, it's difficult to count, but about 250 active breweries in, uh, in, 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 in the city. Not all of them having brewing equipment. Um, th- so some of them edit, some w- were buying either wort or finished beer to age it in uh, wooden barrels and blend it and make their own beer with their own taste. But it has been, yeah, probably 250, maybe 300 uh, breweries. Um, I, I have a, a funny number to to, to tell, in 1882, we have beaten Munich in being the city where the most beer was drunk per capita per, per head. Uh, and it was, at the time, 
445 liters of beer drunk by the Brussels population. That includes the babies and the elderly people. And I think Joel wants to say something. Does that make sense, Joel? Was that enough beer for everybody? Well, it was probably enough for the babies. I'm not sure about the big, strong men like myself. <laughs> I didn't know that about Brussels, actually, but you, you always hear about Munich and places like that. But I guess they could chug some brew in Belgium in the old days. Yeah, actually, beer was really part of the culture. You you, you would start drinking beer uh, when, when you would be like five, four or five years old and, and drink it all your life. Beer was part of every social event and family event as well. Uh, there were still uh, mothers doing home brewing, uh, but most of them, they would go to the, to the breweries uh, with a jug of their own and, and fill the jug at the brewery with, with some beer, bringing it home and drink it um, for dinner, lunch, etc., etc. Et so it, it was really, really part of everyday's life. Joel? And, and to this day, the uh, classic brewers in Brussels love to go to Franconia in northern Bavaria to see that culture still thriving today of going to get uh, work from a brewery and fermenting it yourself. Isn't that correct, Yvonne? It's correct for myself. I think that Franconia is actually the, the only place on earth now where you can still touch that, that deep culture of beer being part of everyday's life. And uh, it's a beautiful region, it's a cultural region, uh, and every single little village still has a brewery, sometimes two. Um, a, brewery, uh, a village of like 3,000 inhabitants can have two breweries easily. I, I mean, and Belgium was like that in, in, in the past. Every single place at, uh, at the brewery. In 1907, we had 3,328 breweries, if I'm not wrong, in a very small country, I mean. So, yeah, Franconia is still a bit like that. Yeah. And then, uh, Peter, so Estonia, what, what is the brewing culture there? You know, the, the food culture going back a couple hundred years. I mean, Estonians <coughs> still to this day are very much the do-it-themselves people. So the whole, when the craft beer and home brewing trend hit the country, it, it was very widely spread. And to this day, I think the part of very vibrant craft beer culture in Estonia is, is much based on a strong uh, home brewers uh, community. So, and the uh, other thing is that uh, Estonia has uh, maintained uh, over the centuries the knowledge of uh, uh, all the good uh, herbs and uh, knowledge of the forest. Forest used to be our pharmacy. And uh, to this day, you know, many, like uh, the herb, herbal uh, procedures, or not procedures, but uh, produces are uh, used. And we also use them in some of our beers. So in that case, we are actually sipping right now the, the Torm, which is our part of our forest series. It's Imperial Kose, the, the, the German Kose. And we have imperialized it with a honey, header tips, and uh, brewed with lingonberries. So it's, uh, it's a fruity. And the honey, honey notes are clearly there. And the header, header is just giving a little bit of uh, herbal spicing to it. Great. Uh, what, what do you think, Yvonne? I mean, for you, coming to the festival, you get to meet a lot of new breweries for the first time. Um, do you have any questions for Peter from Estonia? I would have a lot of questions. I, I think those uh, Northern Europe beer culture are, are really, really fascinating and have been totally underestimated until recently. 
um, you, have, you have some stars like, like, like the Sati in Finland or, or historic beers um, in, in, in all the Baltic countries that are really, really fascinating. And um, it, those beers help us to, to, to like almost touch the history on the, on the liquid form. And the, the, the use of those herbs, um, among others, are, are to me really, really interesting. Uh, for 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 sure, I'm, I'm getting really fascinated by by those beers. I still have a lot to, a lot to learn about them, um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, for for me they might be the new thing in brewing. Peter, so yeah, so this uh, storm beer, it's uh, like you said, it's uh, it's a classic beer with a little little bit of twist, and uh, we we tend to release uh, two or three beers from a forest series every year, so it's. Uh, the, the list is uh, long, and uh, I can just uh, no. I, I will not talk about that. That was <laughs> too early. Too early. Can can, can you name some um, uh, parts of plants coming from the forest that you you would use? Like, do you do you use barks, for instance, or I mean, yeah, or we have used uh, mushrooms or <laughs> stuff like that. Or very good questions. Yeah. Thank you. We have used uh, we have actually a beer that was very much uh, using uh, the birch birch tree. So, because the birch sap is a very similar uh, thing to uh, maple syrup or maple sap, so we used uh, a lot of birch sap. It was in collaboration with a Finnish brewer, and he brought 600 liters of birch sap that we used in, in I mean, in the in the boil. Uh, plus, we used the birch bark in in the boil in that case, and we have just released a beer called Porcini, which we used Porcini mushroom in dried form and also powdered form. So the mushroom picking is a huge thing in Estonia, and right now is the season. Okay. Sounds very cool. And I'm sure your yeast liked it very much when you use that sap, because it must be full of very nice nutrients for, for her and oligo elements and, absolutely. and stuff Ab like that. Absolutely, and, and it left a very nice, like a spicy, spicy, earthy umami notes behind. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we would also want to go on with that and, and get a bit more because we do a lot of barrel aging and you know we, we take a patience with some of the beers so we would want to see that how that park actually evolves in the beer over time so mm -hmm. so there's still a lot of ideas we we have and we haven't been you know put in practice yet cool well what kind of yeasts are you using uh, did, did did you find like old yeast local yeast no like, no like we, for the quag we beer are, and, and we are and in stuff? that sense we are we are we're playing a lot with our history and and uh, and the knowledge but we are very much uh, American-inspired brewer, mm. and uh, we are using uh, yeast from White Labs. And, mm. and uh, over time, they basically, they come our house yeast because mm. we have a uh, lab at at the brewery with a with a lab manager, with the bio biological background, biology background. So we we take a pretty good care of our yeast, and uh, and all that said, you know, I'm. Uh, I'm not the brewer. I'm one of the founders of the brewery, and for years I've been focusing on sales and marketing. So, if the questions get very technical, I'll be very honest. You know, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a white labs yeast. Okay. <laughs> uh, let me ask. So about that, just tell us your backstory, because to me you're new. Um, you guys were kind of a gypsy brewery. Tell us how you got started and the first the first system that you bought. There's uh, yeah the, the brewery is founded by by three friends and we, we added quickly our head brewer and and the first inventor so investor so it's like six six persons actually who it's like it's a kind of a collective project and we were three friends who were very much the culinary background we got together we cooked a lot and then we got to the to the home brewing and when we saw the the craft beer 
thing starting, then very early on we decided that you know we we were exactly at the stage of in our lives we, we all have entrepreneurial backgrounds and love for food and beer, and at that point, uh, at 2011, we decided that from that hobby we'll make a business out of it, and we opened our first brewery in 2004. Yes, 2013 we released the first beers at Chipsies. Uh, we were Chipsy for a year and a half, released uh, five six beers, brewed much more, dumped a lot. And then uh, in January, April 2014, we opened our own brewery that came from uh, Premier, Premier Stainless uh, San Diego. So, so you bought a system from America. Yeah, it was kind of a brew pub kit. You know, it was a 12 heck uh, brew house with 24 heck uh, fermenters. And um, we kind of grew out of that pretty quick and uh, the demand for our beers grew and, uh, grew. and uh, last winter we opened a new brewery, this time a German from Rolex. And we opened that in an old historical shipyard just right outside of the city center, so beautiful, beautiful location. So I invite you all of you to come and, and visit. And tell us about Tallinn, your, your, your city of Tallinn. Tallinn is What's the history of that city? A <laughs> city founded in 1154. So old Hansa, Hanseatic Union city, uh, beautiful architecture, uh, part of UNESCO Heritage uh, Protection Program. Uh, so you guys, you guys it's, were it's in, been, it's been, traded it's been with like it's Copenhagen been, and Hamburg, Germany. Oh yeah, we were, we were yeah, Stockholm. We were, we were part of, uh, we've been part of Sweden, Denmark, Germany, Russia. So we have a colorful history that has left a mark in history. Uh, I mean, in people, in architecture, but also the I would say like a very um, colorful and uh, great society to live in. You guys are a little bit like Belgium. All the neighbors invaded you at some point. <laughs> exactly. It's a destiny of small nations and countries. And let's go back to yeast. So I, I read a note about you, Ivana. You started calling the yeast she or her. Of course. Yeah, definitely. So, and you said yeah. like the, the, the yeast, we make her happy or not happy. Mm. For, for me, it's the duty of, of, of a brewer. Um, yeah, yeast is the most in, important character in, in, in your brewery. She makes everything. And, and I call her she because... In my language, it's, it's, it's a she. In, in your language, it should be a it. But I, I, I cannot um, think about my yeast thinking it's a thing. Uh, no, it's, it, it's alive. It's very sensitive. And, and I, I have a, a personal, I would say, a relation to, to her. And indeed, because she's doing all the hard job, uh, she's our employee of the month, like forever. I want her to have a good life. And <laughs> you to, guys like that, right? To, to, to she is happy. an employee of the month, the yeast. <laughs> And um, so I designed special fermenters for, for her so that she doesn't get any hydrostatic pressure because that kind of pressure would give her some, some stress. And so it, it's fermenters that are wider than, than tall, actually. Um, it's, it's kind of stupid from a business point of view because you, you need more floor space to put a certain volume. So it doesn't make any sense when you think about business uh, purely. But uh, I can tell that for the quality of fermentation and hence the quality of beer, it really makes a huge difference. It, it gives beers that are way more balanced, um, actually, and I I'm, I'm, I'm will never regret to have taken that decision. When you started, when did you first make Taurus Bulba? Why did you make that beer? 
I love that huh. beer. They fit such a niche in, in, in my experience with this lighter, you know, four something percent hoppy uh, pale ale. At the time, it was a, a niche in the niche in the niche because uh, our main beer was at the time and still is actually our Belgian pale ale Zinne beer. But we were brewing in our very first brewery uh, in the suburbs of Brussels, a uh, village called St. Petersley, with a very, very small location. And we had a very small brew kit, which we built ourselves using uh, second-hand dairy tanks. And we could bottle out of that, like, a little bit more than three U.S. barrels, basically nothing. And we were all brewing uh, manually with uh, a wooden pitchfork. Uh, everything was manual. It was very hard and long days, even if the volume was quite small and so we are totally exhausted and very thirsty at the end of the day and Zina beer is a beer that um, has 5.8 ABV and that was the beer we, we drank after making it of course but uh, at some point it became a little bit too too strong in alcohol so we decided okay let's make a lighter beer just for quenching our thirst after a hard day of work and it was Taras Bulba and so the first batch was meant to be drunk by ourselves only three barrels when you are thirsty it's, it's not a lot of beer you know <laughs> and then some friends came they found it was great beer then they brought some bottles to some uh, bars and uh, the owners found it was very interesting beers and it the whole story started like that, but from a very um, selfish point of view, the, that beer was really meant to be drunk by us at the very first. And was was that beer like older beers from Belgian, you know, traditions like a, a Hamel beer or something like that? So some somehow maybe like some beers from uh, West Flanders at at at, at some point. Um, but when we made it, it was like a small revolution because uh, you had no light beer in, in, in Belgium. And with that beer, we wanted to show to the people that you don't need alcohol to have flavor and to have taste, actually. Um, and it's really a beer. Yeah, I, I cannot say exactly where it just come from, from somewhere in our mind, um, I, I would say. I will not claim it's a historical beer because I don't think it is. As I told you, the Belgian beers used to be way hoppier than they are now, uh, but I'm not sure that a beer like Tarsbois has ever existed. Uh, let's say that we, we, have, we have been extremely selfish and we, 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 we made a beer that is a kind of a, like our definition of beer, if you want. So oh, something great. simple, thirst crunching. Uh, you, you, one doesn't have to forget that beer is meant to hydrate humans at first. And, 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 and so that's the purpose with Terras Blumba. Quenching. You guys, BR and Joel, you guys have worked with De La Seine for so many years. Um, how, how do you sell it? You know, do you ever have to sell it or there's, there's diehards like me who just buy it? Well, now there are diehards who buy it. it. It was challenging at first because especially, you know, if people are looking at the price point and at the time people thought of Belgian ales as being extremely strong, um, extremely alcoholic, very sweet. Um, so here they are getting, a, you know, a four some percent beer that comes in at pretty much a similar price point, not un realizing that it, it doesn't cost that much more to, you know, add in the malt to make a strong beer, to make a quality beer that's lower in alcohol on, the, on a similar scale. Um, so that was a bit of a challenge, but we now have the converts. Um, tonight we're, we're all going over to the well and uh, they have a permanent line of Taras Bulba because Ian came on. Uh, shout out to Shelton Brothers Insider Tours. We were all uh, in, in Belgium in May and uh, visited the brewery and uh, uh, Ian, the buyer from the well, was there and felt, I mean, he liked the beer, but once they realized how much he loved the beer, now it's like, I've got to have that beer on all the time at my bar. So you, you get people who, who become converts and then once, they've, once they become a convert, they're not giving it up. 
Yeah, and shout out to the well. There's so there's three brewers there tonight. Um, but there's always stuff happening at the well, not too far from here in uh, Messerol Street in Bushwick. You got uh, who's there tonight? Uh, these both of you guys are there. So Bradford they have to Jay go because they're with us now. They they can't they can't leave. <laughs> and and how do you, Peter say the name of your brewery again? Pohela. Pohela, but to me it looks like Pojala. Pohela. Pohela. They and, pronounce things. And funny your friends from Spain who are who are not uh, part beer will historically be late for the show. They're in Spanish time. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, so that's going to be a great business. But you're, so the next beer, um, so you are good at sales, Peter. You, you're great, man. You kind of built, you, you've been on the map from everyone all last year, different brewers in New York. Like I know Pete from KCBC wants to go to your festival in, in Estonia. What were some other brewers from New York who, who came out to, to visit you and who, who might be making beer with you? The last year we, no, it's actually this year, May, we had uh, Other Half and we had Evil Twin over. Uh, so Sam Richardson from Other yeah, Half. Yeah, Sam, Sam was over and we brewed two beers, uh, double IPA and. Uh, so, so, so your festival is in Estonia in May. Yes. It's not winter. No. First, so it's, it's next, nice weather. Next year, first and second of May, tcbw.ee. That's the website. Uh, Tallinn Craft Beer Weekend. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's it's a rather international. I mean, we have 50 brewers, uh, 10, 15 from Estonia, rest uh, from from Europe and uh, North America. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have a uh, you know great great lineup of, of friends coming over. Joel? Uh, I, I if I can promote our tour a little bit since we have these two guys with us, we're going to uh, do a, another so uh, Belgium France tour. tour in May, in which you'll hopefully see Yvonne if he's May not. 2020. Uh, yeah, May 2020, something like May 3rd to 8th, if I recall. And uh, for the lucky few who feel like being adventurous, we're going to have a little jaunt up to the Talon Fest. Right before that, so it can actually, literally, one day to the next, you can join the Belgium-France one right after the Talon one. So uh, it's going to be just for a few people. Whoever whoever hears this radio show can go on that tour. (laughs) All right. And then this next beer from Talon. Yeah, this is... uh, Pohala. 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 Yeah, it has the softness. It reads Pojala to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Don't fight it, Jimmy. (laughs) Pohala. Very good. So the beer we're sipping now is actually four and a half years old beer. So this is uh, the very first edition of uh, Tanilin, the beer we brewed with our friends from Copenhagen, Tuol. They came over and uh, we celebrated. Wow. Yeah, Great. because we have a long history with the uh, with the uh, with with the Danes, and and this is to celebrate the the historic uh, heritage of Denmark in Tallinn. And this is 14% imperial stout with uh, several spices, including cinnamon, star anise. And I'm um, forgetting the rest because there's years since we brewed it. And then we aged it eight months in a cognac barrels. And, and this is just, it's a part of our cellar series, meaning uh, all cellar series have barrel aged and they've been waxed. So it's just to encourage people to, to buy extra and hold on to them. Because this, like I said, this beer is real old and, and I could say that it's, it's hold on very well and improved a lot, I would yeah, say. I mean, what- does anyone want to comment on it? I think, I think it held up well. I mean, uh, Well, this is a beer, actually. Uh, I, we had someone, you had someone from uh, Tool on a year or two ago, and yes. he was talking about this beer, and you were very excited about it, and we had none of it because it had not arrived. It had and not he had come just been, he had just, he had just been made the, yeah. the beer, yeah. yeah. But so, and you, you also, so I guess I'm trying to figure out, you have another barley wine that you said is new. So for buyers out there and consumers, what, what's their strategy for getting one of these strong beers that, that's age-worthy? You know, so th- tell us the beer that, that's out now. And, and is it going to be available in the States, BR? Do you know that? 
I mean, I mean we are we are shipping. Uh, I, I would say like we are shipping at least six, seven different barrel aged beers annually to the states. So every every two months there's something new and exciting available from us, and not just one beer. Every time we send beer over is at least like uh, two, three uh, new styles. Yeah, but I guess I'm saying for the imports, what sh- should a, a, a bar or, or, or bottle shop, what should we do with this beer? Should we buy it and then keep it? You or it are you guys going to hold any back? <laughs> no, no, we, we don't hold any back unless there, there have been some times where a brewery has sent us something and said, you know, we've tasted this. It's not ready. Can you please hold on to this in your warehouse for you know two months, four months, six months? Um, but for us, I mean, that's warehouse space that's being taken up. So, you know, in general, the beer comes in, the beer goes out. Uh, I think that one of the most recent barrel-aged beers we had from you was the Port Over Easy, the Jester King collaboration. Yeah, yeah. I know we got that fairly recently. Um, and I, but, uh, yeah, I mean, basically, as, as soon as something comes in, it gets put on our lists, unless it's uh, something very uh, exclusive and limited, in which case we hide it from everyone and only allocate it to our best distributors and best accounts. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's fair game. Everyone, it's 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 in. If you grab it, great. Uh, if not, you know, we're sold out. And I want to add that it's one of the great qualities of Shelton Brothers is that there is a very well uh, taught turnover, and the beer arrives fresh and leaves the warehouse very fresh and gets to the the final customer very very fresh. So we are very happy with that. We make very sensitive beers. Um, and so that's extremely important for, for, for us, and it works well with, with the Shelton's. Let's talk about a different style. So we, we've got uh, you guys at Poala started making beer with Baltic Porter. But um, I know one of the, my favorite De La Seine beers was the Stout Eric. Do you want to talk about B- Belgian stouts? Um, yeah, definitely. It's, 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 it's very strange, the relationship uh, between the Belgians and, and, and the Stouts. Uh, actually, from 1900... Until 1960s, um, the the stouts were extremely extremely popular in Belgium. If you had a brewery in this country and you and you had no stout in your range of beer, you would go bankrupt very very quickly, and 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 you would look like a loser <laughs> almost. And and then for no some stout <laughs> loser exactly. <laughs> and and then for some reasons, since the the late 60s and especially 70s, uh, the Belgian people lost totally uh, their love for, for stouts and the style almost disappeared um, when we were making our, our first stout that was in 2005 if I recall well um, there was only a very few old fashioned Belgium stouts that were like 6-7 ABV extremely sweet like barely drinkable very, very bad stouts actually and uh, once again we, 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 we like stouts uh, and, and um, yeah the, the idea was to just to, to please our, our, our palates again to be very selfish and we started with Stouterwick the first year we only did one batch we, we drank most of it ourselves nobody wanted it <laughs> then the, the second year two three batches then more and more, and now it's still our least selling beer, but it's getting more and more popular. The, the young generations are starting again to understand the, the beauty of those beers. And, and I don't know here, but in Belgium, there is an image about stores that because it's dark, it must be strong and heavy. 
And Stoutwick is, 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 is an inspiration of Irish dry stout. It's, it's everything but um, heavy and, and, um, and, 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 and like strong. Was it like 4% alcohol? It's, it's actually 5 but five. but it's a beer that is very uh, easy to drink, thirst crunching. It's a beer I love to drink on a terrace in, in, in the summer. Uh, for, for most of the Belgium, it is a winter-like image for, for some reason. But no, it's, it's really a beer you can drink all, day, all, all year long. I, I want to go to the well and have the Taras Bulba on tap. Do you think they'll have any Stout Eric tonight? I don't think I know they have the Taurus Bulba. I don't think they have the Stout Eric. Great. We're after a great start. This is we're getting ready for the festival, the Shelton Brothers event in Buffalo, New York, which is this coming weekend. We're gonna take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. is a proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. The Hearst family has been raising cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of California's Central Coast for over 150 years. Piedra Blanca Rancho in San Simeon is the original Hearst Ranch, founded by George Hearst in 1865. George's son was the famous publisher, William Randolph Hearst. In addition to being known for building the iconic Hearst Castle, William was, like his father before him, an avid rancher. In his words, I would rather spend a month at the ranch than any place in the world. Thanks to one of the largest land conservation easements in California history, a joint effort with the California Rangeland Trust, the American Land Conservancy, and the state of California, the working landscape at Hearst Ranch will be preserved forever. Learn more about Hearst Ranch at hearstranch.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out. It's our 10th anniversary gala coming up November 11th on heritageradionetwork.org for tickets. All right, this is a special show. As many of you know, it's the festival this weekend in Buffalo, New York. Um, it, to me, it's one of the favorite roving events of the beer world. And I'm always amazed at just who comes to it, mostly a lot of the international brewers who are represented by the Shelton Brothers. So we've been talking earlier with, let's go through it again, we've got... Yvonne Debats from Brasse de la Seine. From Brasse de la Seine, one of my legendary brewers. Uh, Daharis Bulba, drink it. And we've got... Peter Geck from Estonia. Poela Brewery, Estonia. And Poela Brewery from Estonia. We've had a nice conversation talking about them, but finally the guys from Spain are here. So take it away, Jamie. Who are you guys? Um, 
I'm Jamie, clearly the Spanish member of the team. Um, uh, so I'm Jamie, I'm from England. So Juan's got, Juan, just say, say hello and, and use your Spanish let's accent. Get Come Juan, on. The owner and head brewer. Juan, in get there, over just here. To say uh, hola from a distance. Just say hola from Navarra. Hola, hola. Okay. So there, you're based so in Navarra, Spain. We are based in Navarra, Spain, which is close to Pamplona, which is famous for the running of the balls. And this year is also our 10 year anniversary as well. So it's an. Nice big celebration we've got going on at the moment. That's great. So you, got, you I've met you guys before. I met, I met Juan before. And, you know, Napa Beer has been part of the Shelton Brothers for a long time. Just tell us about what the festival means to you guys, why you came over to, to New York. Well, I think basically the festival itself it brings in so many different breweries from lots of different walks of the beer life. Um, I think bringing the community together a little bit and bringing in old styles, new styles, combining a lot of things together makes it really very interesting. And therefore, coming from Spain, having the opportunity to sort of experience all of these sort of wonderful oddities of the beer world all together in one place is certainly an opportunity that shouldn't be missed. Yeah. And do, do you, uh, this is a chance for the brewers because it's pretend you guys are just meeting at the festival. You guys want to ask each other a question. Peter, do you have a question for Napa Beer? I mean, to me, Spain is like, I don't really think of Spain as a brewing country. We've had a number of your brewers from Barcelona, but you're in Navarra. Is there like a thriving craft beer scene in, in your region or you guys stand out as something unique? I mean, we're sort of heading towards the Basque, Basque country, as it's called. And there, there's a, probably a good number, two or three breweries now coming out in that area. Um, we're obviously the first. Um, but uh, we're known more for wine. To be honest, we're the, the, the heart of the wine region um, in Spain. Um, but as I said, we started 10 years ago. So we kind of got a little bit of the movement going in general in, in Spain as a whole country. I mean, it was uh, Barcelona is now the place that's really thriving, taking over. But I do think we were definitely sort of some of the founders in, in the Spanish market and in the Spanish scene in general. Yeah. And Peter? So Jamie, what's the beer you're most proud of that you brewed this year so far? Great question. Very good question. question. I know Peter very well, and I don't like it when he asks me questions. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I would say this year we've just started doing some Imperial Gozes. And uh, second one. Ha, 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 mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, you just finished it. Thank you very much. That's the newest trend we just picked up on this weekend. This is what happens when you arrive to Beer Sessions Radio in Brooklyn and you arrive 30 minutes late that all the beer is drunk. Dot com. So, um, yeah, we we did one which was a collaboration that we brewed with Kings Brewing from California that we've actually got in tap tonight at the well in the event that the, the Shelton Brothers are hosting. Um, we're kind of making that a little bit of a series. So we've got basically changing up the fruits. We've just got a new one that we've recently canned and kegged with passion fruit and mango, which I am liking a lot. Let's talk about Imperial Goza. So, so Peter from Poala made an Imperial Goza. You guys have made an Imperial Goza. Where is that coming from? Are you seeing that at other breweries or, or you just decided to make that? No, that's definitely something I'm seeing coming from over here, from the States. Um, I think some of the bigger American breweries are, are sort of bringing in a lot of these styles packed with massive loads of fruit, lactose, the same with a lot of the IPAs. It's the way, I mean, being an English person myself, I'm from Kent originally, so it's... Um, so how did you end up in, in Navarra, Spain? 
Oh, you don't want to ask that. I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting half an hour for you. Come okay, on. Okay, right. Well, it's a long story. Still, We've, uh, uh, yeah, exactly. How long is this program on for? Um, <laughs> 21 years ago, I left the UK and I moved to New Zealand. Then I lived in Australia where I met my ex-ex. You asked for the details, so we'll go through the exes. Um, <laughs> she was Spanish and brought me over to Spain and... I've been there ever since. That's great. Now, Bobby, you got, so tell us what you're doing here in New York City. So you, a lot of you guys are making collaborations, which is very exciting. But yours, you're really on top of it. You know you're making one with Sand City, with LIC Beer Project. But tell us what you're doing with, with Barrier and what we're drinking. Bobby, introduce yourself. Hello, world. <laughs> and tell us your name. Come on. Uh, it's Bobby with uh, Barrier Brewing. You know, it's an uh, old school brewery. You've, you may have heard of us now. We're like the, uh, the grandpas, I guess. Uh, but yeah, me and Jamie, we got a we got a little bit of history in uh, in Spain, in Miami, in a couple countries. I don't know. Yeah, most of them we can't talk about. Like we were. You guys shared wives or something? Uh, we no, shared a bed. That's, 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 that's my baby for sure. I don't know unless Jamie's claiming it. <laughs> we like to hug each other in beds occasionally. For sure, we've shared some rooms where we've had to space out pillows between us, and yeah, he's a grower. Well, that's funny because Yvonne was going back to what Yvonne was saying. He was saying that he calls yeast she's and hers. So, does that have anything to do with it? You're hugging each other. Oh, I Tell wash. us more about the she. Oh, I wash myself. Mate. There's no yeast going on with me. Thank you very much. Well, let's get back to this, Yvonne. Tell us more. You, you, you consider a yeast a female? She, her. Yeah, and, um, I, and, I, and I talk to her when I'm alone in the brewery because otherwise my guys would really make fun of me but but definitely when uh, after a brew and if, if i'm alone i open the fermenter i, I really talk to her yeah de- definitely uh, it's uh, it's important it, i think that by doing that you also get more intuition in in in, in what you do and in, in 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 bring i think that science is very important um, sweat is there all over love, but intuition and and working on your intuition is, is something very important. And it's it sounds like a hippie thing to, talking to your yeast. Okay, I I, I get it, but uh, <laughs> but but honestly, I think it makes a difference. But you you do think of yeast differently than most brewers. I mean, you said you you're giving more floor space, so there's there's more room for air. Is that is that why you do it that way? No, it's a question of hydrostatic pressure. Uh, two things. So hydrostatic pressure is the, the um, height of the column of liquid that will make a physical pressure on the yeast, and, and the less pressure, the, 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 the better. And also the ratio between um, height and, and, and width, um, it, it, it creates a lot of uh, positive reactions um, when it's white for a fermenter. And in, in the final result, to make the story uh, short, what 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 is very important for me is to have the right ratio between two chemical components that are in beer that are called um, higher alcohols and esters. Um, in very tall narrow fermenters, we have a lot and lot of higher alcohols, and for me, at least for my beers, it's very personal what I say: too little esters. It gives the beer that are a little bit aggressive uh, to to my palate, at least. In in shallow fermenters, you have uh, less higher alcohols and and more esters. Um, you. To, to, to be clear, you always have more high alcohols than esters, but it's in this very ratio there in the middle that you find um, eventually the, um, the balance of beer. And balance for me is absolutely everything in a beer. And if your beer is it, it's balanced, it means you have a high drinkability. And drinkability should be the goal when you make beer, in, in my opinion. Great, man. And then, uh, so tell us about the beer we're drinking. So Barrier here, 
You you brought a beer. Bring me up to speed. Yeah, well, uh, we ju- we just brewed this one uh, last week, so it was released. I'm on. The, I mean, it was released on Friday, so you're having it like four days after it was released. It's a collab with Aslan out of Virginia. Uh, you know, heavy hitters down there. Um, they're a bit crazy, so we get along very well on that level too. They they kind of like just to go all out in everything they do, and we're kind of psychotic like that too. Probably the most hops that we've put in an IPA to date. I feel like the two that are on the table, this one pound for pound. Let's pop and let's drink them all. Yeah, and then we brought Shadows and Dust. We released that one last year, so this is only the second time it's came back. That was the heaviest. Before before pound for pound, Shadows and Dust was the most pounds of hops we had put in. Um, so this is these are our two biggest ones. And then Kickin' Knowledge Pumpkin. We've never made, so this is Barrier's 10-year anniversary. I mean, that's kind of the thing with Jamie, too, where we have in common. It's Napa's 10-year anniversary, so that's one of the reasons we got together and we're here right now also. Um, But in 10 years, we've never made a pumpkin beer, and it was kind of just to be anti, you know, the hype and everything around it. But we had a great vessel to do so in our Kick of Knowledge series, which is... Didn't you guys make a squash beer once? We do call Sasquatch. Sasquatch, yeah. 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 Which, last year it was here. It's normally every year we have it. The Kick of Knowledge pumpkin kind of took its place this year, so... Kickin' Knowledge is always a, a lactose milkshake IPA with vanilla and coconut, and over the past year or so, we've been adding a third variant to it. So we've had Kickin' Knowledge, Passion Fruit, Kickin' Knowledge, uh, Pineapple, Peach, Strawberry. Yeah. So this is the first time we put pumpkin so, in So it. you guys, like, what's it like working with, uh, you know, breweries from other countries? What, we what, are, you, what are you doing with, with uh, Napa beer? Uh, we're brewing a double IPA. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be super juicy, New England-style classic. I feel like when it comes to the collabs, people just want, like, the sexy beer that drives you crazy, you know? And it's still, for whatever reason right now it is, it's the, the Haze Boys is still the, the still the craze for when it comes to... So the, so a lot of the, the, the breweries that are here visiting, they're going to make a, a hazy IPA? I feel like, yeah. Beer. I mean, he, he was just at Sand City today, too. They're doing a triple IPA, so it's still... It's, 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 I mean, there does have to be an element of following the hype. At the end of the day... We are businesses as well, and you have to sort of create and demand a little bit to a certain extent. As much as we keep brewing classic ales and brews that we've been doing for many years, we do also follow the trends to a certain extent, and people are definitely still crying out for those styles. Um, I think over here just as much as in Europe as well. So when me and Bobby were talking about it, it was basically both of our 10 years, let's do something absolutely 10 times riddled Jamie, what does it hops. take like working with Sheldon Brothers coming to the festival going to all these different events what does it take for you guys to cultivate a market in, in the states or are you trying to just create your whole international persona yeah it's definitely it, it, it's it's very much marketing related I mean obviously we know that certain types of beer that, that we make in Spain like hoppy IPAs and things like that they're not necessarily beers that are going to travel well um, they need to be fresh You've got a fantastic market over here, which would be a hell of a lot to compete with as well. But we do have a, a barrel-aged program. We do do stouts. We do do some more Belgian-style sort of uh, beers. Um, I think it's, it's good to get our name out there, basically. I don't think that can do you any harm whatsoever in any type of business that you're ever in. Um, and I think this is a great market and a great opportunity to present ourselves. And, and the fact is, as Jamie knows, and all the brewers that I work, I work with the Spanish brewers, as, uh, and I tell them right away, don't send us any IPAs, we can't do it. Because now you have to have IPA made last week. Because yeah, we have yeah, barriers yeah. IPAs knows. and San City's IPAs. So the only chance to have, uh, for example, a Napar beer name on an IPA is to come here and make one with an American brewer. And literally, uh, and, and it costs a lot when it gets over here. So uh, for a lot, of, a lot of our brewers in Europe... 
uh, Yvonne's an exception because he's got some that have been around for a while and it's steady sellers. But uh, we have to just get a few kegs of something strong and barrel-aged and uh, maybe indigenously flavored and things like that to actually justify the, the cost. And, and people want to try a new beer. So, but, but in Spain, the, the, local, the average drinker will want the IPA. But it's like the opposite. We can't take what the average drink. We have to take something uh, unusual. And I think, it, yeah, it's, you know. it's it's interesting because we're kind of like having to create a slightly niche market for ourselves within a greater market as it is within the states. Because so so what 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 Napa beer beers are moving here in the states for you? At the well, over for the festival or in, in general? general? In general, is generally our barrel age project. So we've got imperial stouts. Um, some gozes, saisons, um, more robust beers that travel well, basically, because we want all of everyone who drinks our beer, we want to have it in the best possible conditions. Yeah. So if you, an IPA can't travel well, then you know we'd probably prefer not to send it and have a, a, a happy customer. But, even, but even if it does travel well, people won't order it because they want one that was made last week. Literally, that's what it's come to now. Yeah. Well, and Peter, for you, so you're similar. You're you're from a a, a region that's not on the map in terms of like you know beer destination tell us more about the work you're doing your festivals marketing i mean we're telling a story of estonian beer so it's it's sometimes people ask why did you open a new brewery and it's it's not about uh, you know us it's anymore to be honest you know it's it's to be honest you know americans here around the table when was the last time you consumed any estonian br- br- product you know so i was in finland Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, that's very high chance that you, you, you. But yeah, it's Estonian beer. I was going to say really, maybe there's an internet product. I don't know. Uh, Estonian beer is really, you know, becoming a thing in Europe. Uh, we're working on it uh, in America, in Asian direction, and uh, it's all based on, on a dark beer because this is what uh, what uh, our love to the home brewing came from. This is what we have built our business on. That Jamie took the words out of my mouth. Exactly, you know, you have to produce a beer that you know will taste the best. And and yeah, let's not talk even about the IPAs because it would be bringing sand to the beach. Because you know, there's a lot of. <laughs> the first of all, we take the hops to Europe and then put in the beer and bring back. You know, it's like you know, let's be green here. You know, and 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 and. We're offering an experience, and, and it's related to the, to the history and, and the story of uh, overall of I, our I want to come to Tallinn, Estonia. I want to see the old shipyards. Exactly. It's a Please. cold, dark land up there, and we, 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 have a, we have a depressing winters with a very little sunlight, but we know how to... We have a sauna in the brewery, and we, we brew good, dark beers that we, we take good care and parallel them, and, you know, this is our joy and sun in the winter. Bobby, have you been there? Have you been to Estonia? No, but I, I, I've, I've traveled all around Europe, and without a doubt, I mean, maybe when the show's over, I'll ask for an invite because I have, <laughs> I have heard that their beer festival is one of the best that's thrown anywhere in the world. So I would, I would love to be May there. May 2020, Talon, <laughs> Estonia. BR? That goes for me as well. Yeah, so <laughs> I was saying, this is actually a very good representation of how at Shelton Brothers we have to work with different beers, different breweries. I mean, Yvonne is lucky in that he's from Belgium. And I think Dan Shelton had this argument with you saying, just because it's from Belgium doesn't mean it's good uh, with some of your lists. I agree. <laughs> well, I think we, yes, we can certainly agree with that. But, you know, in, in some ways, even though Yvonne is making some of these, the lower ABV sessional bill beers, simply because it's it's Belgian, people kind of like, oh, if it's Belgian, let me, let me check it out. In 2005, I was buying a Belgian triple, maybe a quad, 
And yeah. that was my impression of Belgian beers. Exactly. So, you know, so he's kind of like, you know, he makes wonderful beers, but has slid in on what the general public thinks of the reputation of Belgian beers of, oh, it's Belgian, it's good. Uh, Estonia, for a lot of Americans, they kind of lump it into the, you know, the, the Scandinavian countries, Nordic countries, and are really interested in those types of, you know, the forest series, bringing in those in, you know, unique ingredients, the strong Baltic porters, the imperial stouts, the barrel-aged beers. But then Spain, everyone thinks, oh, it's Estrella or just light lager. They don't think of Spain as a beer culture. They think of it in terms of, you know, there's cava, there's there's wine, but beer, Cidra. what kind of beer? And sidra, exactly. So it's... It, Spain is probably one of our most challenging countries, I'd say, to try to get people to understand that there is a really good beer culture there, um, and people should take notice, like it's happening, you know, around the world. But yeah, that's that's probably one of one of our tougher countries to sell beer from. And Jamie, we're going to wrap it up soon, but just hmm. I find that really interesting, and I like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, what, so that's so why I'm there. How, how are you going to take on the world? I mean, you got you got no, one here. Take on the world. I'm there. Say no more. <laughs> Honestly, you, I speak for myself. You're looking at me. No one else can see me. If you can come and look through the looking glass, you just know why. Um, no, it's uh, we're just trying to. And you're from England. I am from England. I'm definitely from England. <laughs> I'm old school Kent. I am. <laughs> So literally from that, I mean, my granddad used to brew. I mean, my great granddad was down picking the hops from from the Kent area and stuff. It's kind of something that I've got quite literally at the moment in my blood. Um, but with regards to Spain, um, I think it's a, I think it's a great market at the moment within Europe. I mean, I think the UK's got a very dominant um, scene within Europe in, in in general. But then you've got these guys coming out of Estonia, which are literally doing fantastic. Like the, the Imperial Stouts, the Porters, they're doing uh, phenomenal beers. But some of the stuff we're doing in Spain, I quite literally think it's world-class. There's a hell of a lot of world-class breweries out there, and that's basically what my ambition is, my aim is, and part of coming over here is to try and get a little bit more of that recognition. That it's, you know, for people that like to travel for beer, Spain's a phenomenal country. And then you get the plus. You get the wines, you get the food, and you get everything on top of it as well. Great. We'll wrap up soon. Yvonne, just follow up about Belgium. Belgian traditions, what you're doing, because we're going to finish the show soon. I want to end okay. with Yvonne from Brasserie de la Seine. Well, thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> don't know if I deserve that, but well, we, we have Your always does, bro. taken our inspiration from what the old guys before us have been doing. So so obviously from, from tradition, uh, we just wanted to, to modernize it. For instance, we make a triple, which is called Jean de Bois, which is when we rarely uh, enter a beer in, in a contest. And if it's Jean, Jean de Bois, it's always out of category, category because it, it's, it's too hoppy for, for the style, which is absolutely stupid because if you take a triple back in the 1930s or, or, or 50s, it was hoppier than it, than, than it is now. So th- this is just an example to, 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 to show that we, we really embrace the tradition, giving it a more modern touch. Um, we, we also like to, to play with barrel-aged beers and to try to, to dig into ancient styles like saisons, for instance, uh, Flemish reds, etc., etc. Et so, yeah, tra- tradition is, is, is always something when we have in view uh, without being like narrow-minded. Uh, we, we, we also very rarely try to brew to style. Uh, we first uh, try to brew something we like to drink. 
and 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 that that does the rule. If it's to, if it fits to a style, it's it's fantastic, and then we write it down yeah, on the label very 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 proudly. But it 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 should not be like 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 the goal. It's it's to brew something for you. Um, it has to pleat your own palate first. And what do you say to the yeast when you go to bed at night? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very intimate. Sorry, Jimmy. I cannot share anything with you. Maybe I'll see you tomorrow. That's a good one, Bobby. And Joel, what, you're going to say something about Spain. I bet you have a tour in Spain. I was just going to jump in because Jamie was talking about uh, people ought to come visit Spain. We have a tour going to Spain. Shelton Brothers Insiders. Next October. And uh, I don't know why it's been so hard to convince people that there's great beer in Spain. But, uh, I mean, people should trust me. I have a trustworthy-looking face, I think. Maybe not. Uh, I completely agree with you. For yeah, radio. Yeah, I have a face for radio. All right, and wrap it up. The festivals, but, by the yeah. time you listen to the show, the festival So, yeah, the festival is this week. If you, if you hear the show next week, you missed it. But we'll be somewhere else obscure next year. And uh, we're looking forward to hanging with these guys in Buffalo. And it's been great to be here in New York. And we appreciate you gathering us all in one place, all these guys from different and walks ne- of And next week, life. our other show, you've got people coming after the festival. So we have more breweries next people week. coming through. Yeah, they all love to come through Who, Who's York. here next week, B.U.R.? I believe we've got uh, Daronka. Um, Casa oh, Bruja Casa from Bruja. Panama. Casa Bruja. From couple Panama. Others. Uh, Garden Path, hopefully, from uh, Washington. Ron Extract used to r- uh, work at Jester King. A great brewery, great brewer, and uh, sometimes underestimated. So the, Garden Path, that was, it, that's Ron who was at. These are Just the kind of people who try to make uh, things that are delicate, subtle, and balanced. And it's hard to, 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 to get an understanding those days with, with delicate beer. So I, I really support them. They're great people, great brewers. That's great. And Peter, did you make a collaboration with Jester King? Yeah, we brewed uh, a year and a half ago. We brewed uh, Portic Porte with a birch syrup. Which is basically the same thing as a maple syrup, but from birch sap. From birch, yeah. And I just saw uh, sh- there was a. It, it's still on sale. I saw it like, just two hours ago. That's great! Wow, this is a great show. Everybody, let's go around. So, Peter, say your name and where you're from again. We're closing out. Peter Kek, Pohela Brewery, Italian Estonia. Thank you very much for having me. Bobby Barry Brewing, Oceanside. Stand up. Jamie Crookshank, Napa Beer, Pamplona, Spain. <laughs> Yvonne de Bats, Brasil, Lassen, Brussels, Belgium. Thank you, Jimmy. It's a great show, guys. Everyone, if you haven't been to the festival, keep it on your radar. If you haven't been to the Talent Festival in Estonia, well, it's May 2020. There's so much good stuff going on in this room. Thanks for joining us. Big shout-out to engineer Matt Patterson, our intern Kevin B. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host. Thanks for joining us here on the Heritage Radio Network. We'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah. Woo! Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.